Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, November 19th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the EPA vetoes again a project to install pumps in an oft-flooded region of the Mississippi Delta. Then, what the expiration of Governor Reeves' COVID-19 state of emergency means for telemedicine. And infrastructure in the Gulf South is making people sick. National leaders promise change. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Environmental Protection Agency has killed a previously approved project to install flood pumps in an area of the Mississippi Delta known as the Yazoo Backwater. The plan has been in limbo for a while. It was vetoed in 2008 under President Bush, then greenlighted in 2020 under President Trump, and now vetoed again under President Biden. The new veto comes after some environmental groups raise concerns about the pumps. Andrew Whitehurst if, of excuse me, is water program director for a nonprofit called Healthy Gulf. He claims Trump's EPA, along with the Army Corps of Engineers, cut corners in their assessment of projects' potential ecological impact. There's wetland ecology, impacts to fish and other aquatic organisms, the lack of a mitigation plan put forth by the Corps in their document, a lack of an alternatives analysis by the Corps, the, the document that the EPA decided on was poorly done, and the EPA's decision was what we took objection to. Meanwhile, conservative leaders in Mississippi are furious that the long-anticipated project now faces another delay. Andy Gibson is the state's agriculture commissioner. He speaks with MPB's Desiree Fraser. I have spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work over the last three years uh, working to get a solution for this pump project and we all felt like that we had achieved that solution back uh, well last November and then earlier this year in January when Administrator Wheeler visited uh, over in Vicksburg and we announced the final proposal that was approved to finish the pumps. So uh, it was a huge letdown to see that now the EPA this month has decided that uh, that project cannot move forward as it's been proposed. And I, I I cannot stress how disappointing it is to me, more importantly, uh, to the people of the South Delta that have been living through this now for 30, 40, 50 years. 
of this type of flooding, and uh, they need relief, and they need these pumps to be finished sooner rather than later. Can you describe for us a little bit of what people are telling you in the Delta that they go through with the flooding? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, we've, we've posted a video. We've, we've visited numerous times during the flooding over the last three years and since I've been commissioner and have posted a video of the actual experience as best as the video can show it. But for the farmers that I've talked with uh, and have recently spoken with, you know, this is not a matter of, uh, it's not a matter of some theoretical help that this would provide to them, their farms, their livelihoods, and to the communities. This is, this is make or break. Uh, they had the flooding in 2018, another round in 2019. The 2018 crops could not even be planted. So many businesses went out of operation during that time. Communities were devastated. Loss of tax revenue infrastructures destroyed, roads and bridges washed out, and uh, they live this every day. And I've got to tell you, they've, they've, the folks have gotten to the point that they just don't trust the federal government to do what it said it would do. And I think this latest disappointment only raises the skepticism that anything will ever be done. That being said, the letter the EPA issued yesterday indicated they wanted to work toward a solution. Now, I think I speak for everybody saying we'll work with them toward a solution, but this is not something that can drag on another three, four years and find ourselves back here again. Uh, we've got to get these pumps. I just uh, hope that the EPA is not just giving lip service to that, but they'll follow through very quickly. And I'm going to be calling on them to do that in the coming days. I know this issue is in the Delta, but can you just name some of the counties that are impacted by this? Certainly. Uh, Warren County, Issaquina County, all the South Delta counties that are there, uh, farmers in uh, the entire South Delta, all the way down to Vicksburg. This particular backwater flood is purely man-made. It's government-made, actually. It was part of the flood control project of the United States uh, government years ago to create this uh, levee system. But what it does in this particular situation is when the Mississippi River is high, then the water cannot drain out of the South Delta and cannot uh, enter the Mississippi River. So those gates are closed and the floodwaters just build up and build up and build up. And I've been there and seen homes underwater, uh, barns, tractors, you know, equipment pulled up on the levee, starving wildlife, uh, communities destroyed, all because the pumps that were designed to be put in here have never been put in. And it is a, it's an atrocity that now, here again, we're back at square one. We had a solution. We worked on it for years, and, and many folks have worked on it for decades. And now here we are having to start all over again. It's very disappointing. A coalition of environmental groups sued the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and the EPA, as you know, saying that they're concerned about the wetlands and the pumps drying up areas that need to be preserved ecologically. Your thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, you know, I 
understand the concerns about wetlands. There's a place for wetlands. Uh, wetlands are not to be where farmland is, where people's homes are, where people are trying to make a living in the South Delta. Uh, they never have been. This is an artificial wetland argument that's being lobbied here by these environmental groups. And obviously, I don't think they've ever been to the South Delta. I, I don't. I don't think they've seen what I've seen. And when I was in a meeting over in Vicksburg with the Army Corps of Engineers, with EPA uh, administrator, with all the stakeholders, we had legislators over there. We had our, both of our United States senators there. It was clearly demonstrated that there would be minimal impact, practically no impact to the wetlands of this region by implementing these pumps. In fact, the pumps would not eliminate all the flooding. They would greatly mitigate it and prevent the type of disaster that we saw in 2018 and 2019. But uh, there's, there's plenty of wetlands to go around. And when you, when you look at the, the footage that we collected, what you see is uh, the entire Delta National Forest was flooded, which is, as you know, a wildlife preserve. Animals died. They were run out of there. The wildlife was destroyed. So to the extent that people are arguing these wetlands need to be preserved for the wildlife, uh, these floods are having an even greater devastation upon the wildlife that's there and the ecology that exists. So it only makes sense to finish these pumps. And I am, I can't tell you how angry I am, and I have to get my anger under control uh, because it's very, very disappointing. I, I know these families. I know their, their farms. They were so relieved when we finally had a plan to finish the pumps, and now all their hopes have been dashed, and there's no good reason for it. Andy Gibson is Mississippi's Commissioner of Agriculture. Coming up, the future of telemedicine in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mike Cheney is Mississippi's insurance commissioner. The present moment finds him navigating twin disruptions to the state. First, this weekend, the governor's COVID-19 state of emergency declaration is set to expire. That raises questions as to what health care coverage in Mississippi will look like post-pandemic. Next, as Cheney tells MPB's Desiree Frazier, the veto of the Yazoo Pumps Project heightens uncertainty for farmers in the Delta. One, I live in Warren County. I've been here for 50 years in Warren County. Um, as one of my sideline hobbies, I farmed in the area where the Yazoo pumps are to be located. And actually, um, um, 258-acre farm is right at the mouth of the diversion canal where the pumps would be installed. So I'm very familiar with the problems and with the flooding in that area. And this particular project would not hurt the wetlands. It has nothing to do with climate. It has to do with draining water that has accumulated due to levee construction by the Corps of Engineers. And it was to be corrected almost 50 years ago, and it's never been corrected. And the project that was proposed has never been finished by the Corps of Engineers. 
Arkansas, Louisiana, and the other states that were affected by these same projects have all been corrected except for the, the Delta part of the state of Mississippi. And the problem is that if we don't correct it, people keep moving out of the Delta, they can't farm, and the byproduct is of the flood problem is you can't buy flood insurance in that area anymore under the new flood program. So I have more, I could give a litany of reasons why I'm, I'm disappointed because this project should have been completed over 50 years ago. And you said there is an insurance element to it. People can't get it. So they have to incur any damages without assistance. They, they, the people that are affected by these floodwaters cannot buy flood insurance because of the FEMA rules and regulations. And what's disappointing is our own congressman is head of those committees that promulgate those rules and regulations. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation for someone that lives in those areas that flood. They, If they're a farmer or they're a small business person where they own a small grocery store, and they go underwater, they can't buy insurance. What happens is they move out, they close their business up, and one thing leads to another, and you have loss of jobs in that area that you normally would have jobs in, and you can't buy insurance to cover your business losses. So you move out, you move somewhere else in the state, and it, it's, a, it's a downward spiral. As people leave, the delta dries up, and basically what you're left, left with are woodlands and wetlands and farmland that can, cannot be utilized. And someone could argue, well, it shouldn't, the land shouldn't be utilized that way anyway. They ought to let it go back to water. I don't buy that. I think that the land's there. If it can be farmed, it should be farmed. We have food shortages in this country, and there's no reason that we shouldn't utilize these properties. And there's no reason that these properties shouldn't have been fixed where they wouldn't flood. They weren't flooding before the levees were constructed by the Corps of Engineers. And the Corps said when we build the levees, if they flood, we will drain them. They haven't done that. Another case of the federal government not keeping their word. On the governor's emergency order, that lifts on Saturday. On the governor's executive order that extended the COVID um, orders that we put in place on telemedicine uh, in March of 2020, they will expire on the 20th of November. On Monday of the week before these orders were due to expire, uh, we contacted all of the major health insurance carriers in the state of Mississippi to see if they would comply to the telemedicine bulletin that I as commissioner issued in March of 2020. All of the companies have said they will comply to the bulletin that we sent out. The bulletin was sent subject to the executive order issued by the governor. And without order expiring, the only way that we can get Compliance is voluntarily through the companies, and uh, we expect some type of statutory law to be passed by the legislature in the 2022 legislative session. What are you asking them to do? We're asking the companies to accept telemedicine. It's just that simple. Telemedicine also provides um, health care for those people that cannot come in to see a, a doctor because of their fear of exposure to COVID-19. Uh, And it also provides uh, access to people that live in areas, say, in the Delta, in the state of Mississippi, where you have to drive almost an hour to find a doctor or a hospital if you get sick. Uh, Telemedicine provides the ability for those folks to call 
a doctor, and usually in this case, we utilize the University of Mississippi Medical Center for most of these calls. And if they need to drive in or be brought in, they can be. And most of the time, if they use telemedicine, uh, their problems can be eliminated or the doctors can tell them what they need to do. The second part of that is that it eliminates the need for an existing patient of a healthcare provider, that's a doctor or a hospital or a clinic, to have the patient come in to renew their uh, prescription drugs. If they know the patient and they can use a cell phone, uh, they can get approval to have their drugs uh, refilled at a pharmacies near them. And that's worked quite well during this period of time. And the third part of this is that telemedicine has allowed uh, the use of uh, mental health advisors uh, when people need counseling. Instead of having to drive for an hour to get counseling, they can usually do a lot of that counseling over the cell phones. And that's been done. And I will tell you this, it's probably saved many, many lives in the state of Mississippi. This is National Suicide Month in November. And I will tell you that telemedicine fits right in to prevent, preventing suicides in the state of Mississippi. And I can give you testimonies after testimonies. Unfortunately, I can't give names because it would be against the federal HIPAA rules. Mike Cheney is Mississippi's insurance commissioner. Coming up, the EPA's plans for addressing pollution, failing infrastructure, and toxic waste in the Deep South. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing the leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The head of the Environmental Protection Agency went on a listening tour through the region this week. Michael Regan heard from Mississippians concerned about failing water infrastructure and Louisiana residents in cancer clusters. The Gulf States Newsroom's Bobby Jean Missick went along on the stops in Louisiana where people are hopeful but also tired. On his Journey to Justice listening tour, Michael Regan met people like Brenda Bryant in St. James Parish. The short street that she lives on is bordered by a crude oil storage facility and a recently closed refinery. This is Newstar. That's Shell Pipeline. She calls the area a sandwich, where the industrial facilities are the bread. And I'm the meat. And here the bread, here the bread. St. James Parish runs along the Mississippi River on a stretch of land between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, commonly known as Cancer Alley. It's lined with oil refineries and petrochemical plants, and the risk of cancer from air toxicity is well above the national average. Bryant had a few bouts of cancer, and she's not the only one. A lady that lived in uh, the white trail over there, her husband uh, passed last Friday. And uh, it was about five of us standing up there talking about the fact that we had had breast cancer. So it's striking to hear the conversations with community members about the exorbitant amount of cancers in their families. Regan took office at the start of the year and quickly directed EPA offices to center environmental justice in their work. That's why he's touring the country visiting areas most negatively affected by industrial waste and poor infrastructure. He's also thinking about how funds from the new $1 trillion infrastructure law can be spent. Alabama, Mississippi, 
all of our towns and cities are facing a crumbling infrastructure. And we're hopeful that as we visit all across the country, we'll talk with the leaders in these communities and the community activists so that we're sure about where we place these dollars in a very timely fashion. Regan is the first black man to lead the EPA, and he's no stranger to environmental issues. He's from Goldsboro, North Carolina, a predominantly black city where coal ash waste was a huge problem, until he led the charge to clean it up as head of the state's Department of Environmental Quality. And so there is a part of me that is very dedicated and wedded to these communities because I am from these communities. In the bigger role that he now has at the federal level, Regan says he doesn't want to be academic or paternalistic. Instead, he wants to hear residents' honest opinions. We want to hear the city, and we also want a time frame. Retired nurse Lidwina Hurst has spent decades fighting for her neighborhood, Gordon Plaza, in New Orleans, a housing development built on a toxic landfill and marketed to low- and middle-income black residents in the 1980s. And I felt like I was moving to an American dream. The area has the second highest rate of cancer in Louisiana. Like several of her neighbors, Hearst got breast cancer while living there. She said she tried to sell her home after Hurricane Katrina, but no one would buy it because of the soil it sits on. She can't afford to move. It feels like I'm a prisoner enslaved in my own home. My great-grandchildren, I can't allow to have uh, them go out into the backyard. Hearst and the other Gordon Plaza residents are demanding that the city compensate them properly to move out of the neighborhood. They hope Regan can bring about change. I do feel that he will do something to help us, and I hope that I'm not wrong again. For his last two stops in New Orleans, Regan went kayaking in a marshy waterway just minutes from Gordon Plaza and then walked through Sankofa Wetland Park, a nature trail recently restored by a community-led organization. Dr. Beverly Wright runs the Deep South Center for Environmental Justice and helped organize the tour. So we went to the worst, and now we've come to the best, so, so he can leave on a high note with hope for the future. After New Orleans, the EPA leader traveled to Mossville, Louisiana, a town founded by free blacks in the 1790s, where residents have dealt with toxins from petrochemical plants for years, and to Houston, Texas, to visit another neighborhood ravaged by cancer. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Bobby Jean Mizick. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership among WWNO in New Orleans, WBHM in Birmingham, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and NPR. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.